plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, hello there. It is Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We are going to have another party today, so we are so glad that you have joined in with us. Thanks for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, brought to the airwaves by Be the Star You Are charity, going into its 20th year of service to the community and to the world, empowering women families, and youth, visit www.bethestarur.org. We are coming to you live on the Voice America Network on the Empowerment Channel, so we hope that you stay tuned with us every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Well, we have a really fun show for you today. I'm very excited that in segment two, Daniel Wong will be joining us. She is the award-winning author of Swearing Off Stars, and she has the unique position of she was a contributor to both Be the Star You Are for Teens, Simple Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, Learning, and Leading, And also the new book, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. So Danny will be with us to talk about what she's doing, all the things that she's working on, as well as we will have her read her story that is in the um, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, because it is a follow-up to the one that she wrote for teens. The Miracle Moment brought to you by Be The Star You Are. Again, visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. And to read all the book reviews done by our hundreds of book reviewers, go to BTSYA.org. This is from Martin Buber. All journeys have secret destinations of which the traveler is unaware. And how true that is. Well, in uh, segment three, I will be taking you to Iceland and I will be giving you a little bit of, um, of an inside look of how to born to be wild. Right now, I want to share with you how to discard medications and how to keep an updated list of your medications and get rid of ones that you no longer need. Obviously, we've heard so much of the opioid epidemic that's going on, so we want to try to keep people as safe as possible. So the first thing is to look into your medicine cabinet and find out if there are bottles of pills in there that you don't longer take. And if so, it really is time to get rid of them, especially if they are an opioid pain medication or any other kind of uh, controlled substance. If you take medications for arthritis, back problems, osteoporosis, or any medical condition, you want to start by making sure you only are keeping the medications that you need. And uh, one way to prevent having an overload of medications is schedule an appointment with your intern or your primary care doctor and bring all of your medications, or at least a list of them, 
to that appointment. It's actually better to bring the medications so that he or she can look at them and see the expiration dates and the um, strength, etc. You need to keep really organized on this. Keep a list of your medications. You can do this yourself. Or now most healthcare providers are doing everything online, and they could probably easily give you a printout. Extra medications really pile up over the years, and I know that myself. I went through my medicine cabinet. I have not even taken an aspirin or a Tylenol or anything in over a year. I really don't like taking drugs in any shape or form uh, and or, you know, anything. So I decided to go through my uh, cabinet, and it was so weird because I had, you know, some antibiotics from the 80s and things that I, I wouldn't even use and, like, eye drops and stuff that were all outdated. So... So I'll tell you how to dispose of them in a second, but extra medications, when they do pile up and you don't uh, need them anymore, and maybe that's happened because maybe your doctor has switched you from something, or maybe you were prescribed a drug for post-surgery or some acute pain, you didn't take it all, and it might have already expired. Uh, You know, most state laws require labeling of prescriptions with expiration dates. And if the pharmacist gives you pills in the original manufacturer's bottle, look for that date. The risk of taking an expired medication is, one, they may not work well. And two, they could be really unsafe, especially if uh, the dosage, you know, it might have expired to the point that for a life-sustaining purpose, it's not, uh, it wouldn't work anymore. And certain things like eye drops, ear drops, you know, uh, anything that is a, is a, a um, solution, it could be contaminated. So get rid of them. Now, here are some of the options for discarding unwanted medications. The safest way is to take them to a drop-off location. Now, the United States Drug Enforcement Agency, we call it the DEA, they sponsor two national prescription drug take-back days a year, one in April, one in October. So you could go to takebackday.dea.gov and forward slash after that. And find out where the drop-off is. But in the interim, most police stations will take a drug back bins for, to discard any kind of medication. And even some pharmacies, they might even have a mail-back program. You could ask your local pharmacy. Some have a kiosk for unused medicines. And you can also just, again, check with any uh, local law enforcement officials to find an authorized collection area. Uh, that you can take them. There is a searchable database on the DEA website, so check that out. Now, there's also bins at drop-off locations. They're closed to maintain your privacy. However, everyone, um, all the doctors and um, health professionals recommend scratching off all personal information from the bottles. And that's the same if you empty a pill bottle um, and you're going to put it into the trash, you should take your name and all that information off. Now, if you can't make it to a drop-off location, the interesting thing is most drugs can be discarded in the trash. However, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, recommends flushing certain medications down the toilet, and that includes narcotic pain medicines such as fentanyl, hydrocodone, um, what is that, hydrocodone, morphine, and oxycodone. 
And a complete list of medicines that can be flushed is on the FDA website. So go to FDA and check that out. Now, some people are concerned that if you flush drugs down the toilet, it's going to enter rivers or lakes or drinking water or the ocean. And the FDA has determined that the risk of contamination is very, very low. And the risk of someone getting to these medications when when they're... um, discarded in the trash outweighs any potential harm from flushing them. So ultimately, the most desirable way to get rid of the medications, of course, is through a take-back program, and that avoids all the potential dangers. So just to recap, how to throw your medications in the trash. First of all, scratch out all your personal information from the prescription label and empty the pill bottle or medicine package. You want to make everything unreadable, and then you can dispose of the container. But empty everything out, mix medicines together if possible, and then mix them with an unpaddleable a substance such as dirt or kitty litter or coffee grounds. Then you can place those into a bag like a Ziploc and then put another bag as well. Then it's ready for you to throw in the trash, just your household trash. So again, just discard any medications that are not serving you any longer. Well, now I would, well, what I want to do now is I would like to read to you um, Daniel Wong's submission and what was in the book of Be the Star You Are for Teens, Simple Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, Learning, and Leading, because this will set up the, uh, the her interview that's coming up for the next book. It's, it's interesting how she just piggybacked one after the other. So in Be the Star You Are for Teens, uh, and of course, Daniel, Danny was a, a teen, and she was a, a volunteer with Be the Star You Are, and she wrote The Gift of Faith. I'd like to tell you about my dad. Imagine talking to the person you admire most. Everything is perfect. Nothing can go wrong. He encourages you to achieve, to be a go-getter in life. When something is wrong, he makes you feel better. It's almost unreal how this person can turn your feelings around. Now, stop. The next you know, that person is gone. The fuel that powered your very purpose is stalled. The weird thing is, his body is still there. Nothing is the same. You can gaze into his eyes, searching for an answer, but he cannot speak. It seems he may be lost forever. Where is faith when you need it most? When I was 15, my dad had a stroke. My dad was away on a business trip, and I missed him terribly. We had always had great times together. He taught me how to throw a football, and he took me swimming in the rain. And that day, when my mom picked picked him up from the airport, he just wasn't himself. He was too tired to do anything, and that was so odd, considering he was the fittest person I knew. He worked out every day, and he had the ability to do endless push-ups. That night, my dad went right to bed. I accepted this reluctantly, but resolved that we'd talk in the morning. Well, it never happened. My mom rushed my dad to the emergency room after he started struggling to form words and no longer had control of his right arm or his leg. The doctor said that my dad was a victim of a severe stroke. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. No, this couldn't have happened, not to my dad, 
Not for the man who had a million friends, was kind to everyone, and was a brilliant father. But it did. I found myself in a deep state of confusion, filled with despair. How could I go on seeing him like this? He couldn't even talk to me. I soon realized that our long conversations were history. I stared at his silent, motionless body. It was at that moment that I finally understood the phrase, everything can change in an instant. The week before, my dad was healthy and strong. Now he was lying in a hospital bed, unable to move his right side or talk. Tears became a constant instead of a rarity. I hated crying, but I couldn't help it. How difficult it was going through such a traumatic experience as a teenager. These things aren't supposed to happen to us when we're young. The pressure was enormous. It was challenging to focus on school while coping with this heartache. And the hardest part of everything was that my own father, the man who taught me to live and to dream, couldn't even say I love you. I had to have faith that he would recover. Zoom ahead one year. Although our lives are not perfect, my dad's health has improved tremendously. We found therapy programs for my dad, and he was extremely motivated to get back on his feet. He went through intensive neuro rehab, and within two months, he started walking again. The physical and speech therapy programs are influencing his recovery. Although every day is a challenge, we have faith that with love and support, he can accomplish anything. His goal is to fully restore his health. Through these difficult times, I am not alone. My mom, sister, and I are facing the challenges together. We know that we have a hard journey ahead of us, but we love my dad so much that we'll do anything to help him. And I'm so fortunate to have an extended family and friends to support me. I don't know what I'd do without them. Sometimes the only thing you have to hang on to is faith. You cling on to it like a life jacket in the middle of the ocean. Faith is not something you can touch, but you can feel it all around you. Faith helps you sail through the storms of life when the waves swell so high that you are sure you'll drown. We believe in my dad's ability to recover. His conviction that he will heal boosts our trust in his resilience. Dad has faith in himself and we have faith in him. Faith takes courage and determination to make the impossible possible. In life, faith helps us overcome the big obstacles. And the exercise that she wrote is called Keep the Faith. We all go through tough situations, and whether you've lost someone close to you or completely stressed out, it's easy to feel discouraged. The following technique can help you feel better when things aren't going so well. You have sent letters to your relatives and friends, but have you ever sent one to yourself? It's actually a very effective way to pinpoint what's bothering you and to make yourself feel better. Start by writing a letter to yourself, and don't worry about grammar, spelling, or even how it sounds. Remember, this is for your eyes only. Write everything down that's going through your head. Pour out your emotions and really express how you feel. You can jot down everything that's worrying you or things you miss about a loved one. Now that everything's on paper, it's time to put it away. Seal the letter, put it in a safe place. And someday when you're having a great day and feel a little bit more positive, pull out that letter. It's time to have faith. 
Know that even though it may not seem like it, things will get better. It may sound cliche, but it's true. Look at the letter and think about what you wrote down. Come to terms with why you felt this way. Now have faith that things will improve, and with time, it'll be easier to accept the past and look forward to your future. Faith invigorates our souls, energizes our minds, and shapes our dreams. And that is by The Gift of Faith by Daniel M. Wong. And when we come back from break, you're going to get to meet Danny, and we will be talking about her submission for Be the Star You Are. Millennials to Boomers. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and we will be right back. Don't go away. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a Dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world. Lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR. 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 And visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan. www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business is calling out to me. Well, I am so happy you're still with us because the power has just arrived. Daniel M. Wong is my guest today. She is an author living in San Francisco. She was a longtime volunteer with Be The Star You Are charity, and I just read her chapter, The Gift of Faith, in Be The Star You Are for Teens, and she's only one of two people that actually has a chapter in both books, Be The Star You Are for Teens and Be The Star You Are Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. She is the award-winning author of her novel and her debut novel, Swearing Off Stars, that was published just about this time last year, and we'll talk about all her awards. She writes for a lot of different uh, publishing sites. 
minutes. But right now, I just want to welcome the beautiful Daniel M. Wong. Hello, Danny. Welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm just so glad to have you back. I've, you've been on before when you uh, when you debuted Swearing Off Stars, and since that time, you have won so many different awards for that novel. I mean, to have a debut novel and to have it um, win the 2018 Independent Press Award, to have it uh, win an International Book Award, a Reader's Favorite, uh, let's see, um, Next Generation Book Award, right? In the first novel novel category, you've also won a National Indie Excellence, and I think you won a Ben Franklin, too, didn't you? Yes. I did, yeah. I feel feel very lucky, very humbled, and just very excited about what the future holds. It was really really encouraging to win some of these awards. Well, I would say, to win some, I mean, you've won... (laughs) Awards. Very few people win that many awards with their their first novel. And we're going to talk about that more because it is such a wonderful, wonderful novel. And especially in the times that we're facing now with this whole Me Too um, movement that is going on. And the book has won a lot of awards in the LGBTQ category. And it's really all about tolerance and looking at things in a different light and I, I mean I love the historical setting of it but what I'd love you to do now because you wrote the chapter The Gift of Writing for um, for Be The Star You Are Millennials to Boomers so if you could uh, do you mind reading what you wrote because I thought it's such a perfect follow up to the one that was in Be The Star You Are for Teens yeah I would love to read it So my chapter is called The Gift of Writing. I spent the balmy summer of 2016 in a hospital waiting room. I memorized each and every fracture on its pallid walls and inhaled nothing but thin, stale air. The wide frame windows were temperamental, habitually refusing to stay open. I ate a balanced diet of salty cafeteria soup and gelato bars that made my hands sticky. This became my new routine sitting on a green padded chair with my sister on my left, my mother on my right. We weren't there by choice, but out of necessity. Our fourth family member was lying in a motorized hospital bed on the other side of the whitewashed wall. For the first time in years, I rarely lifted a pen or let my fingers glide along a glossy keyboard. Writing was an integral part of my daily schedule, but I couldn't bring myself to finish the manuscript I'd so fervently worked on that spring. My father was in a coma. A rare autoimmune disease attacked his body and took over, destroying almost everything in its wake. Even with timely medical intervention, the doctors could only control so much. A slew of loved ones came in and out like a refreshing August breeze. Cousins, uncles, and in-laws offered comfort via drugstore candy and old stories of my dad. We received regular doses of support in the form of these visits, with each friend or family member showing their support in a different way. Meanwhile, my dad's condition slowly worsened. My sister and I refused to leave his bedside, budging only for the occasional nurse change or bathroom break. My mom took this commitment one step further, lying uncomfortably on the waiting room benches each sleepless night. My sister, fiance, and I stayed in a nearby apartment, walking to and from the hospital each sunrise and late night. It felt like living a separate life, 
sleeping in a strange rental in a different city. The fact that we rented an apartment in the first place reminded me of our situation's permanence. I abhorred the fact that this was our new reality and that my dad's life was at stake. As much as I tried to prevent myself from shutting off emotionally, I felt like I needed to hold things together for my family. Beyond extensive iPhone Googling about autoimmune research, my mind would wander to non-medical topics. Ultimately, I was desperate for a distraction. While I was in the hospital, I wanted nothing to do with writing. It was something I did when I was happy, when I felt free. But when insomnia rendered me frantic one night, I turned back to the habit that I knew best. I realized that I needed an outlet, a way for some of the sadness to dissolve. My notebook almost exploded from all the scratchy penciled poems I filled it with. I eventually opened my half-charged laptop and continued working on my story, swearing off stars. My dad was moved into the palliative care ward. His room was large with panoramic views of elevated buildings and Emerald City parks. I sat next to his unconscious body and held his hand, desperately wondering if he could hear my strained voice. I felt my heart break into little pieces during each of those last few days. In the book, Be the Star You Are for Teens, I wrote about my father's 2008 stroke and how it affected my family. Putting everything into written words helped me better understand the impact. As I sat by his bed, I knew I needed to finish my current manuscript. I wanted to turn this sadness into something good. I usually joke that running is my therapy, but writing became an unexpected healer. My dad's death evoked such raw, candid emotion, and it did nothing but weigh me down until I started using it as fuel. My parents always told me to try to find something good in the bad, and this is my way of doing that. After he passed, I finished my story and started submitting it to publishers. It wasn't easy. I kept replaying that hospital saga again and again, wondering why it all happened. I was, and still am, sad and confused. But in between tears, I remembered what he always told my sister and me. You can do anything you put your mind to. Swearing Off Stars was published in October of 2017, just one year after my father passed. How is it to read to read the book, I mean, to read the story, Danny, because I can still feel the emotion, you know, in, in your voice. And now it's, um, it's been two years. So what a tribute, I think, to your dad that you did follow your dream and you were able to publish what you wanted, you know, what you'd been working on, what you wanted to. How, how did that play out for you? Thank you. Yeah, it definitely feels strange to go back and read those words because I've only read it a few times since the book was published. But um, I do think that it was my way of kind of honoring my dad. I did dedicate Swearing Off Stars to him. And I really feel like that was kind of the push that I needed to finish the manuscript and to keep focusing on this crap that I have such a passion for. I, I love your dedication that you wrote for my father, Derek Wong. I miss you in the light, dark, and everywhere between. Uh, you know, I just felt that was so appropriate because for, uh, well, I think most of the time I have known you, you this had happened to your dad. You, he had had the stroke and you had to deal with this through the time that you were working with Be The Star You Are. So it's amazing how besides the running, you were able to put your strength into your writing 
And again, now we know that you are publishing short stories uh, and you're writing for like Harper's Bazaar. You've been published Huffington Post, USA Today, Pop Sugar, you know, more. Tell us what you're working on now. So I've really been pouring myself into a new manuscript. It's a lot faster paced than Swearing Off Stars, but I'm enjoying that part of it. And I'm, I'm working on a thriller right now. So different genre. So, so uh, what made you go to a thriller? I mean, obviously, uh, and Swearing Off Stars, and we got to talk about that a little bit too, because it is a historical novel and um, set in England. So first, why don't you tell us why you chose that to go for Swearing Off Stars and then why you switched to a thriller? Yeah, definitely. So I knew that I wanted to write some sort of love story before I started writing Swearing Off Stars, and I didn't know if that love story was going to take place between two men, a man and a woman, two women, etc. But I actually came across this article about women in the 1920s being able to take classes at Oxford and then not being able to matriculate or graduate. And I found that appalling, but it really does make Mm -hmm. sense given the time period. So that's kind of what got me into the historical fiction component. And I, it sounds a little cheesy, but the characters really do have a way of kind of popping into my head. And so I got that idea and just sort of ran with it. Did you base it on anybody that you knew in Swearing Off Stars? I know that you had, you know, you read that article and then you were, you know, upset that, my goodness, men and women couldn't go to college at Oxford or they could go, (laughs) but then they can't graduate. That made so, that would make no sense. But did you know two lesbians or did you know two gay guys or how did, how did it come, how did that part come for you? I do have people in my life who identify as gay and lesbian, but I didn't base either Scarlett or Leah, the two main characters, off of anyone in particular. But I do like to say that I think it's impossible for an author not to let certain characteristics or personality traits trickle in um, to their characters, like from their friends and family. So I feel like there are components of that um, in each of the characters. Well, it's probably a compendium of of personalities. It's probably you take a little bit from this person, a little bit from that person, and you kind of mash it all up, and then they just appear. I've always found that, as a nonfiction writer myself, I find it so fascinating that an author such as yourself can actually create characters and dialogue and sets and, and just keep it moving. And the characters came alive for you. I remember you telling me before how... I mean, they just, I don't want to say they haunted your consciousness, but they felt like real people, right? I mean, they They really really did. Yeah, I think that um, for me, at least, I'm not sure about other authors, but my process is I try really hard to think of these characters as real people. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it gets to this point where they are, they do kind of come alive and I don't have to try to think of them as real anymore. Yeah, and they, and it just it just sort of flows. Well, going from this historical novel, so what was the impetus of the thriller? Where did that come from? Did you read another article? Did you witness something? Or is it just a genre that it kind of entices you and gives some interest? Yeah, it just kind of enticed me. I wish I had like a pivotal moment where I realized that I wanted to write a thriller, but I had kind of been dabbling um, in different genres and starting manuscripts, but not really 
feeling like I could finish anything or my heart wasn't in it. And so I knew I wanted something faster paced that wasn't as much of a love story because I felt like that part did take a lot out of me. It was so emotional to race mm-hmm. wearing all stars. And yeah, I think I just wanted kind of a change of pace with this one. Well, there was a lot of heartbreak I found in Swearing Off Stars. I mean, it's like you're rooting for the characters, you know, to be in love and to be together. And and there were so many, they had so many challenges. So yeah. uh, I can imagine it was really, really tough. Well, if you're just joining us, we are talking to award-winning author, Daniel M. Wong. She is a young author, which is so wonderful. And she has won many, many awards. You can see her work at Daniel. Wong, DanielMWong.com. I got to remember to put that M in there. And that's spelled D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-M, like Mary, Wong.com. And you can also uh, buy her book, Swearing Off Stars, there. So, um, so Danny, tell me, when you're writing, because you are such a great writer, you're a great speaker. I remember when uh, you wrote The Gift of Faith for Be the Star of R for Teens, you were one of our representatives on television shows <laughs> because, <laughs> because you're just so, you're, you're just, you know, you really understand what you're writing about. Have you found that since you were a little girl that you've kept journals or that you wrote, give listeners kind of an insight to what your background or process was, because I think there's many people that they would like to write, but they don't think they have the ability. So what made you uh, jump off the page from just submitting a story or an article or, you know, a chapter to actually putting together your own book? That's a great question. I think that I would, yeah, I would agree. So since I was a little girl, I have always been keeping journals and diaries, notebooks, writing poems and songs. And I always really appreciated the medium of writing before I could really articulate things. And so it wasn't until much later on that I actually saw the potential to have a career as an author. I used to think of it as more of a hobby. And I think the turning point for me was actually when my short story, my chapter was published in Be the Star You Are for Teens. And I sat back and realized, wow, I could actually do this. I'm a writer. Yeah. So you're you're published. I mean, when you you got published in Be the Star You Are for Teens, you became a published writer. And that's pretty exciting. Exactly. And so I kept keeping the idea separate, though. I thought I can do this as a career, but it can't also be an emotional outlet for me. And so I really do think that when my father did pass away a couple years ago, that was when I merged the two elements in my mind and figured out that I could have this as a cathartic emotional process, but also turn this into a novel that other people would enjoy reading. Well, I not only enjoy reading, but they really identify with it. And, you know, I find it really fascinating that your real turning point in becoming an author actually mirrors mine. And, you know, we have worked together for so long because I never thought of myself as a writer until I um, until I wrote my the first book, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts, which was dedicated to my dad because my dad had died in my arms. And so it was... It wasn't until my dad died that I realized I can do this, and I did. And you did the same thing. Yeah, and it's really empowering to be able to feel like you're honoring your parent, but also, 
you know, finally able to follow your passion. Yes, yes. And don't you feel him around you? And don't you feel him guiding you in some way? No matter what beliefs are out there, I just always think that somehow he's looking after you. I do. I really do feel that. And it's very comforting. Yeah, that's the big thing. It's really comforting. DanielMWong.com. So uh, besides this thriller, do we have a title yet? Or is it just all gone on the QT? Or can (laughs) we have have a little hint of anything? I can give you a little teaser for what it's about. That's the thing. Let's have a (laughs) teaser. Teasers are always fun. You know, you have to look forward to those. Yeah, so basically uh, the premise is that a young woman wakes up in a hospital, kind of in the middle of nowhere, and she has no idea why she's there and what happened. She's been in an accident, and she also has no recollection of the past decade of her life. And so that's the that's the teaser for now. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so um, with that, are the characters showing up? I mean, are they just happening? Do you make an outline? What's your process like as a writer? Yeah, I used to not really believe in outlines, which seems so silly now because I really rely on them, With especially with my current manuscript. I kind of need to figure out everything on scratch paper before I start typing. Mm-hmm. Now, and you do it on scratch paper? Do you do things on the computer as well? I mean, do you keep like a list of the characters and the, like a timeline and the dates and those kinds of things? Or does it all, are you more of you write it by hand and then you transfer it to your computer when you're finalizing or polishing or putting the words together? What What's the way that you do it? For me, I do keep a timeline on the computer that I can reference as I'm writing, but most of my notes are made by hand. That process usually works better for me. You know, it's it's that's so interesting. I do pretty much everything on the computer, but I do have to start. My, my handwriting is so bad, first of all. <laughs> I write but I do start with paper. I do the same thing, kind of. I start with paper, and I write things down and then I have to immediately I mean immediately like within a couple of days transfer it to the computer otherwise a week later I won't be able to read my handwriting (laughs) because I write so fast I write so fast (laughs) and have you ever tried just talking in to a recorder and transcribing or using one of those um you know the what are they called like uh, dragon speak or something where you talk into your computer i i have just found that my computers or siri nobody understands me i must talk too fast <laughs> you know a couple of people have asked me if i've tried that and i've actually been meaning to because it would be a nice change of pace from writing since your hand gets so tired it gets so tired well i always thought it would be just a great thing is that that way you could be on a walk or you you know wouldn't have to be tied to your desk and wouldn't have to be typing out but for me i would be interested to find out once you try it if it works for you for me I get the craziest things. I look back after what I've, you know, what I've talked and it makes no sense. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like instead of the house is beautiful, you know, it's the horse is bountiful or I mean, it's, it's crazy. I think (laughs) I have to work on my speech pattern. So, uh, so anyway, Danny, it's a pleasure to have you on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'm very excited about your next, um, your thriller. That rule, that sounds just, that would be just horrific to wake up and not remember the last 10 years. And I imagine you wouldn't remember anybody in it either. And depending on, do you, can we, you tell us how old your character is or is that? Yeah, still? she's in her early 30s. Oh gosh, that's like the most important times, you know, that's yeah. going to be crazy. 
So Daniel M. Wong, her novel, her award-winning novel is Swearing Off Stars. Her website, danielmwong.com. You can also find her in both books, Be the Star You Are for Teens and Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers. And as you heard, because we have read both chapters, they're very well written. They're very heartfelt. And Danny really has something to say. So, Danny, thank you for joining me. And you, I just wish you all success. And, of course, you will have to come back when you have your thriller done. What's the timeline on that? I know, I know publishing is the hard part because you have to, you know, you got to get it written first, but do you have a, do you have kind of a dream timeline? I do. I would love to have it in a workable draft stage in the next several months, and then hopefully within the year have a polished final. So we'll see if I can make that happen. Well, you can, I think those things are in your control. So that's, uh, you know, we can never know when things are going to be published. They're always later than what you want. But I do think that the draft and the manuscript are in your control. So knowing how hard you work and how diligent and organized you are, I am certain you're going to accomplish that dream for sure. Well, wishing you all success. Daniel M. Wong, Swearing Off Stars. Thank you, Danny, for being on Star Style. Be the star you are and give my love to your family as well. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. Please don't go away. When we come back, we're going to be born to be wild. This is Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. Back in a bit. Be the star you are. The star you your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do people feel a personal connection to you? Human beings want to feel connected to other people, and work is a logical place to have that need met. I mean, after all, we spend more waking hours at work than in any other activity. Does the working environment allow for and promote the development of strong working relationships? The people who do the work have a valuable perspective. They have ideas. They'd like to share them. You don't need to implement every idea or accept every solution suggested, but if you openly ask for and value ideas, some will make a difference. And the process of asking will engage people in powerful ways. You are the star of your own production. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's 925-377-7827. Be the star you are, the star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be the Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be the Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. 
Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. BeTheStarYouAre.org. Dare to care. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show business Volcanoes, glaciers, highlands, prairies, lava flows, fire, ice, Nature untouched and nature untamed. I'm talking about Iceland. Well, welcome back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan, and you are listening to uh, Star Style, which is coming to you live on the Voice America Network. So we're really glad that you're with us. And I'm so glad that we had Danny on the show because her not only is swearing off stars really appropriate for the times that we're in now, it's a really great read, really a, an emotional roller coaster. And she's such a great writer, and I'm so thrilled that she was part of Be the Star You Are for Teens and Be the Star You Are Millennials to Boomers. And especially thrilled to hear that her impetus to become an author was started when she got published in Be the Star You Are for Teens. And we have found that with so many things that our volunteers that Be the Star You Are, what's happened is, uh, you know, they especially the kids that have been on Express Yourself Teen Radio, they find that they love radio and then they go on and they actually get into radio. So it's very, very, um, it's exciting and empowering and important that they're all doing what they love. So getting back to Iceland, I, I told you that I recently visited Iceland and it was quite quite the experience going there because it truly is a land of ice and fire and wild, wild nature. It rests on the boundary where the North American and Eurasian tectonic plates meet. It's a country of intense volcanic eruptions, boiling hot springs, rushing rivers, venting steam, spouting geysers. They call them geysers, by the way. That's probably why we where we got the word, you old geezer. Uh, we call them geysers, but they call them geezers. Powerful waterfalls, ice caves, aqua, milky aqua blue lagoons, northern lights, and very little sunshine. Even though we might have been there at the time when they call it the land of the midnight sun, there was no such thing as sun. It would be just the land of twilight. With a population of only 338,378 persons and a medium age of 38, most of the people on that island live in the capital of Reznovic. And it is uh, such a country of fierce contrasts. It is definitely geared for the rugged and for the youthful. Now, I visited this wild, wild country just this uh, past summer during the season of that midnight sun and darkness never came. So sleep was really elusive, very hard to sleep. 
Twilight Reigns Supreme. It allows for plenty of exploring, though, and hiking adventures. Summer in Iceland was freezing cold with unpredictable, blustery North Atlantic weather. It had gray skies, menacing clouds, bone-chilling rain, gusty winds. Sunshine in any minimal amount was not on the agenda. I think we saw the sun for literally a nanosecond, and it was so interesting because our guide on one of our tours, uh, all of a sudden it was pouring rain, and then there was just a tad of sunshine, and this gorgeous rainbow appeared, and the guide got so excited. He goes, did you see it? Did you see it? There was some sun. (laughs) They see the sun so rarely. Now, my daily wardrobe included Big, thick gloves, a faux fur hat, layers of clothing, double mufflers, boots, a warm raincoat, and actually a vest underneath that. Now, I naturally, I did take a bathing suit every place that I went because um, there in Iceland, there are what they call, quote-unquote, secret hot springs or lagoons where the natives and visitors come to warm up. Now, most of them are not so secret anymore. Now, some are on private property, and people you know, people who know where it is can just go. And then others of them have been commercialized in some way where you pay a small admittance fee, there's a changing room. All of them make you shower before you go into the lagoon because these are uh, natural lagoons from the thermal, the geothermal, Uh, effects that are happening underground there in Iceland and the water is really really hot some of it is very sulfury and you go in and it's just amazing because there's it's so cold and there's glaciers glacial ice on the ground outside of you and then you're in this warm hot springs now the blue lagoon that is really famous that you see in all the ads that was created a number of years ago and it's now the biggest attraction in Iceland but it the water in it is like almost like milk but it's a blue aqua blue milk and it feels really great on your on your feet and you walk you know it's not too deep it's maybe three or four feet deep everywhere. You can swim, but, you know, you're not going to dive in it or anything. And then they give you this silica mud, so there's mud all at the bottom, that you give yourself a facial or you put it on your body or whatever, and it's, it's very healthy for you. Now, I am a traveler who dives into the culture of a nation, so I wanted to indulge in the Icelandic cuisine. Now, to help supply fresh vegetables, there are hothouses that operate a year-round using that geothermal energy, and those provide the vegetables to augment the main diet of uh, Icelanders of fish and meat. Now, dining out is really expensive. The average price for a green salad was around $30, and I'm talking about just a green salad without tomatoes or anything. Now, everything I ordered that at an authentic Icelandic uh, restaurant was very unique and delicious with the exception of one dish that made me so sick. It was called fermented shark and it was the most disgusting, foul-smelling, horrid-tasting item I've ever experienced. I actually was sick for a full day after it because the bites were just nauseating and it was inexpensive. It came in this tiny little jar and basically I guess what it is is rotten shark that they let ferment and so uh, in the winter months not so much now because of you know they have more modern modern facilities or but you know in days past 
when their food supply was difficult and maybe they couldn't get out to do their fishing in certain times of the year, they would eat this fermented, uh, fermented shark, but it really was disgusting. Now, what interested me most was that ever-changing, unique landscape on this small island bordering the Arctic Circle. I was mesmerized by the plethora of wildflowers, grasses, and the moss that carpeted the island. Flowers were sprouting in the cracks of the lava flows. They spilled down the sides of the volcanoes. They grew on the edges of glaciers. I went riding on Icelandic horses, which is a small, sturdy breed endemic to Iceland only. And there were miles and miles of blue lupins. And I, I was in love with those. In the 1950s, seeds from um, Alaska were brought over and they were scattered in Iceland. And I guess the lupins have now taken over. And so the, the natives look at them as invasive weeds that crowd out the indigenous plants. But it's so beautiful because it, everywhere you look is just blue. So anyway, I really thought that Iceland was an amazing place. I could never, never live there. It's a wild thing. It made my heart sing. But, um, and I did love it, but it's, a, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of trip that you want to do. Well, that is our show for today. So I thank you so much for being great listeners and allowing me into your life every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. on um, right here on Voice America Network, the Empowerment Channel. You can change your life. You can make your dreams come true. Uh, for more information about Star Style, Be the Star You Are, please visit CynthiaBryan.com. For information on how you can get involved with Be The Star You Are charity, whether it's uh, to make a donation or as a volunteer, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. And we really do hope that you will consider making a donation because it is the only way that we can keep shows on the air as well as uh, do all the rest of uh, of the things that everyone seems to love about things that we we do. So until next week, when we are going to be celebrating again, we want you to remember that love always wins and smiles will make you happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, wishing you a wonderful week. Create, dream, inspire, and make a difference. Until next Wednesday, from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Go out into the world and be the star you were born to be. Thank you for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, 
Be the star you are. Keep caring. Keep caring. Keep loving.